Braver Group's podcast series, Talk Retail to Me, where we offer insights and realistic advice from experts in the retail and consumer brands industries. If you're new to Parker Avery and this podcast, we are a leading retail and consumer goods consulting firm with over 600 years of collective experience, both as consultants as well as leadership positions in the industry. Our firm uniquely combines deep industry experience with consulting expertise and world-class talent to deliver meaningful results. Our approach allows us to build successful, long-term relationships with some of the most recognizable retail and consumer brands in the world. If you're interested in learning more about the Parker Avery Group, we invite you to visit www.parkeravery.com. Over the past year, there have been so many obvious changes on the front lines of retail, like store operations and inventory management. But these massive global changes have also impacted the back of the retail house to include key business processes like merchandise financial planning, assortment and item planning, store clustering, and other areas. This week, I am speaking with two of Parker Avery's merchandise financial planning experts. We've got Luann Villasor and Lee Whitaker, and we're gonna discuss what changes they've experienced as well as how they anticipate these processes will continue to change over the course of 2021. Welcome, Luann and Lee. Great to have you on our podcast today. Thanks, Tricia. It's great to be here. Well, let's talk about how MFP has changed over the course of 2020 and kind of what y'all expect to see going forward into the future. What's the biggest difference that retailers are seeing relative to MFP processes and systems? First off, I think the timing of this conversation is actually kind of unique in that this month is like the last month of normalcy from a year ago from a planning perspective. And that's what immediately jumps out to me that based on kind of where we are now and where we were a year ago at this time, I think people were talking about, you know, obviously the pandemic and things, But the plans from an MFP perspective, the plans were kind of baked. And I think now when I think about all the planning teams out there in retail, they're faced with quite a quite a different world that they have to tackle now. And so they're comping a February that was call it normal and they're heading into kind of uncharted territories from a plan perspective. And so none of none of which was expected, but now they're kind of faced with having a year more of data that they now need to think about and how they build plans going forward where the typical LY comp is all crazy because of all everything that happened. So I think when I think about, you know, what's happening in MFP land these days, that's what immediately goes to me is that it's not so much that the tools have changed but really the the environment that the tools are being used in are is so unique, right, and unprecedented that the teams are really being stretched to think about how they want to run and plan their business in a ways that they've never had to in the past. Well, exactly. I mean, there's new behaviors in the shoppers. So, you know, now Bopus, um, buy online, pick up in mm-hmm. store, has impacted the industry. It surged, what, over 200%? in the initial months of COVID, you know, now retailers are having to think differently and reposition their inventory and look at more of an omni-channel or achieving that omni-channel experience, right? Um, And trying to get product to the shoppers or to the clients uh, quickly and easily and and try to actually marry uh, that in-store experience with the online experience, you know, and, and making that 
more, you know, as if I'm going into a store, which I can't do right now, <laughs> you know, because of city or state or government national regulations, you know, that impact whether or not a store can be open at all or 25% or 50%. And so you're right to that point, you know, LY history <laughs> is going to be difficult to try to map. predict the future and map out your next plan. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. And I think you touched, you know, that, that focus and, and, and Bostis and all of the omni-channel are, are huge and, and nothing. And that points to kind of a channel shift as well. Right. So think about the volume of business that was sitting in brick and mortar retail this time last year, and it basically evaporated over the course of the next three weeks and went down to zero in many cases as the stores shut down. Now, thankfully, some of it automatically shifted over into the e-com channel, but you know, every uh, retailer kind of picked up a percent of that business at different, depending on how robust their e-com business and how they were able to support it, whether it's through the omni-channel and things like that. So yeah, that, that channel shift is uh, tremendous. And you know, again, I, I keep putting my, my planning shoes on and thinking, you know, if I'm a planner today, I'm thinking, well, is e-com going to be 80% of my business go forward or is it going to be back to 40 or whatever it was this time last year when, when everything was running kind of per norm. So yeah, it is, it, it really is a unique time that, uh, the planners really are really have to sharpen their pencils and really put a lot of thought in to say how much of the past do I believe and how much is a kind of a leap of faith that, they're really just guessing, right? I mean, planning planning always involves a fair amount of prognostication and, and guessing. It just seems even more magnified this year, just with you know the the fundamental data that they have to rely on. Yeah, and to that point too, it's also considering brand new products. You know, right. so let let's just let's just use the obvious masks. You know, everyone's <laughs> developing all sorts of masks and putting right. a lot of energy and offering that. And, you know, mostly in the fashion apparel industry, but then in other um, segments and hand sanitizers, scented ones or hydrating ones or what right. have you, you know, those sorts of things. So they're, they're also dealing with the changes in shoppers where now they're not afraid and they're more adventurous to switch brands or go to new brands or try something new mm -hmm. because if you're out of stock in one, you know, brand, they'll quickly move to another right. and they're more open to that than they used to be. Yeah. Brand right? loyalty so, is not, not quite as strong because if it's, correct. um, if it's a desperation buy, then you may mm -hmm. very well move to another brand without giving it much thought. Yeah. Have I there been here versus there. Yeah. Yeah. And so it may be a little bit early because shopping behaviors while they've changed, they're still going to continue to change likely over the course of 2021 until we have herd immunity or the vaccine or, you know, whatever, however that pans out. But have, have you seen any best practices emerge over the course of 2020? Some of the things I've seen is people are putting more sophisticated analysis around online shopping. You know, some of those types of things also understanding demand signals and product assortments, you know, mining into that, not only the, the geographical location, but the conditions and everything around it, like the safety conditions or decreases in the pandemic, mm -hmm. you know, those sorts of things. Yep. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously what I mentioned before, kind of achieving that omni-channel retail, yep. if they didn't have it before, they're trying to get there quickly now, 
you know, so they can have that single unified vision into their inventory as a whole. Yeah, yeah I would agree. I think the Omnichannel yeah. definitely, there were a lot of people that this was kind of the shock that really kicked them in the in the gear to say, we need to have this functionality quickly. And we all have seen <clears throat> examples where people have strung things together with, you know, bailing wire and duct tape <laughs> just to kind of get something out there. And now they're kind of having to step back and say, okay, now how do we build this for sustainability and make sure that's stable? But I think yeah. uh, the other piece that I would say is, I've seen a lot more conversation around is kind of the data analytics space and forecasting um, and definitely wanting to really take advantage of the data and in many cases, you know, try and leverage some of that new kind of COVID related data um, and really try and, and get smart about where that has had the greatest number of impact, where stores have been shut down and kind of fold that into their go forward plans. So those would be the two areas that I think I've seen the most kind of conversation and activity around. Yeah, for sure. And I, I know in, in our, you know, some of our own clients, we've seen that very much a big appetite for not just the infusion of advanced analytics, but for it to be quite fast. So people can't do these yep. long drawn out implementations and do all this. You have to have the good data and you have to get to an answer pretty quickly. It's not, yep. it's not several months. It's several weeks that we, that retailers are, are looking for, and CPG companies are looking for answers. To that point, um, you know, there's a lot, even pre-COVID, there was so much talk and chatter in the industry about analytic solutions. And just about every software vendor that I know of was was kind of jumping on that bandwagon. What have, right. how have software vendors adapted their planning solutions to address what's going on now and what they anticipate in the future? What I've seen recently, actually, is the investment of software vendors in that cloud offering and um, accelerating their implementations and developing their templates so that they can quickly put those in um, in a much shorter time frame, you know, for clients. And also at the same time, offering maybe some, you know, waiving fees or trying to work with them to get things moving, you know, especially to say, hey, we realize this is a tough time, so we're gonna waive this, but hey, join our offering and and let's get this software implementation done. So they've accelerated those implementations and made them more convenient to be implemented with the users. Also offering help and assistance and, and <clears throat> customer service, really, really focusing on trying to interact with their clients. So that's what I've seen recently, you know, with some of the implementations I've done throughout this year. Yeah, it goes back to that speed of implementation, not just that just nobody has time to really do long drawn out implementations. Yeah. It's just, especially those retailers that are still struggling and trying to figure themselves out that there's just not the time. So a lot of, uh, there's a lot of sentiment about acting quickly and being bold and then kind of taking a pause and, and gauging how you move forward after that. As far as the retailers that may not be that quick to jump on a new system, how have they been adapting existing planning systems to address what happened with COVID and going forward? Well, I, I don't know if this answers the question technically, but I think what I found is a lot of those retailers know the limitations of their current systems. And if they're unable to kind of embark on kind of a long drawn out, they're much more willing to adapt to a service model where they kind of outsource the actual analytics to a third party, whether it's the software firm or a, another vendor, 
and then they they basically induct that answer into their planning system, kind of as as a as a baseline, or in many cases the answer that they will plan against. So that that's really the the big piece that I've seen is that there's more of a willingness to adopt that software as a service model, to the point of we don't have budget to house it on our own premise, and we don't want to go down through a, a six or eight month implementation. So can you do it for us? And we'll you know we'll obviously give you the foundational data. You take it on onto your system, you do the analytics, and then you kind of shoot us back the answer. So I think there's been more traction in that space. Again, it's all about speed and being agile and being able to react quickly. Agreed, and you know, I think if they were on premise with a, a certain software, that decision and they were kind of teetering on whether to go to cloud or not, this has definitely <laughs> pushed them over the fence um, yeah. to do that. Yeah. Well, then that speaks to, you know, trusting that output so that's a sort of a change management thing. But then it also talks about roles and responsibility. So if you're supposed to trust something that's provided suddenly to you that you've done internally in-house prior to that, how have those roles needed to change? Or have, what have you seen there? Well, I guess in the examples that I'm thinking of, the expertise that wasn't necessarily in-house. And so one thing it's implementing new software, but then do I have a team that can actually operate it? And, you know, that sometimes takes a lot of investment too from a, you know, getting it, building a team from scratch. So when I think about how the retailers are reacting, they just, they know that they don't have the skills on site. So they're looking for that expertise to be provided for them with some oversight, of course. So there may be kind of a, a, a small tactical team that kind of has responsibility over the results, but they're not actually charged with generating results, and that's all kind of outsourced. So whether that's a long-term solution or not, I think they're open to kind of seeing how it goes. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I would guess most retailers always kind of err towards the side of, yeah, we want to eventually kind of own this and control it, but given all the financial pressures, they know that they need the results, but they don't necessarily have the ability to own it out of the gate, and so it's kind of a middle step to saying, let's take advantage of the new advanced analytics, let's get it in our four walls, get the answers in our four walls, and then we can figure out how we build that competency over time, and then decide whether we want to take over and own it full-time 100%. Yeah, and going along with that too, you know, I've seen, because you know, now that you're going to a cloud offering, you have to have an administrator on site, whether it be a business one or a technical one. So those are kind of new positions you know, within the organization to find that person. They're usually a little bit of that cross between the business and IT liaison kind of role. Right. So you're going to see more of that happening so that they learn this tool and can support the users as they go to this cloud service. Yeah, so the kind of renting the expert for a little bit until they bring it in-house. It sounds like a silly term, but it's often quite needed. Let's uh, wrap this up. At the end of one of the podcasts I listen to regularly, the host gives her guests their minute to the world. So I'm going to do that to both of you and put you on the spot uh, individually. So I'll start with you, Luann, since you're coming off the training uh, podcast here. <laughs> so world, I give you Luann Bellasor. I think with everyone feeling more comfortable uh, or a little more comfortable about going into stores, things opening up a little bit with vaccinations happening or starting to happen. I think retailers need to start also thinking about bringing, you know, those employees back 
and what they're going to do in that and plan for that future and what that's going to look like because you're going to have a resistance and there's going to be that resistance to doing that. So you might get half of the people wanting to come back to work or go back to work in the stores or whatever that means in a corporate office and then half still wanting to work remotely. So I think we need to also make sure that we're considering the future. You know, yes, we need to deal with what's happening right now, but considering that future and what that plan looks like and how to handle it. I know that's in everybody's back of the brain, but this may come back sooner than we think. So we all have to be agile enough to plan for that too. Okay, Lee, world, I give you Lee Whitaker. Hi, world. Um, (laughs) I'm going to speak to the planning teams out there that are going through or have just boarded the planning roller coaster of their lives with this year with the unprecedented changes in 20 and knowing how plans need to be built to obviously continue to push the business and grow the business. I would just say to them, buckle up. You're going to go on a, a wild ride as you begin comping sales that go from something to zero for a period of time and then gradually come back as in late 20 when the business is gradually reopened and volume kind of uh, came back a little bit closer to normal. And I would say to that, those teams, embrace this. This is hopefully a once in a career event and that um, you'll be a better planner coming out of it, but take advantage of the data that is available to you. Think differently about the business, you know, do the math and trust yourself that the No one knows. There is no right answer in planning always is the rule of thumb. But especially in a year like this, there is no real right answer. And so follow the data and trust the analytics. Well, it was a pleasure talking with you two this morning. And we will see you on another podcast. Great. Thanks, Thanks, guys. guys. Great being here. All right. So that wraps up today's episode. We hope you found value in the content and in the discussion. If you have any questions and would like to reach out, please feel free to visit our website at parkeravery.com. We also invite you to join our conversation on LinkedIn. Just search for the Parker Avery Group.